Start it off. Welcome. Uh, thanks for coming. We certainly appreciate you taking uh, some of your time here with us today. My name is Ryan Oates. I'm an enterprise architect at General Electric. And I have uh, Adam Gant with me today, who's a solution architect at Matillion. So Ryan Oates, Adam Gant. Am I using the right button to advance these here? Yeah. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Um, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about Amazon's Redshift database offering. Uh, and we're going to talk about a product called uh, Matillion ETL for Redshift. But more than that, we're going to talk about GE's um, use case for these things, some of our needs, how we got involved in using both of these products uh, for our BI platform. So hopefully you're all familiar with General Electric as a company. Um, but as a little bit of background, I mean, GE has spent the last 140 years uh, building industrial solutions in the infrastructure space, uh, big pieces of equipment for our customers, and, and selling services around those as well, especially in the, in the power generation, the oil and gas, healthcare space, and, and other areas of infrastructure. Um, over the last five years, we have been in the process of reinventing ourselves into becoming what we call a digital industrial, which means that we're working with our customers to connect more and more pieces of equipment, uh, not only together, but also to the cloud. And we are using our Predict platform to increase that level of connectivity and deploy some advanced analytics to deal with that mountain of data and pull insights out of it that really haven't been available before. When we talk about this internally, we talk about the marriage of OT and IT. And if you are a reInvent attendee, you know very well what the IT stands for. The OT stands for operational technology, which is GE's extensive history of operating industrial equipment, um, understanding how to run those processes, how the equipment really works. And it's the bringing together of those two concepts that is the exciting part for us of the industrial Internet of Things, uh, in that it's uh, enabling connections that really haven't been possible before. But that, those opportunities bring about uh, some challenges as well. And so the drivers for our business is finding ways to put new technology against some of these challenges faster than we've been able to do in the past. And so my part of GE is, is GE Water. And we have addressed that, you know, among other ways, by taking a big strategic change towards embracing cloud technology. And some of that has been done by, you know, investing in our own teams and enhancing our own capabilities, but also by partnering with some uh, strategic partners like Amazon. So today, we're going to talk specifically about GE Water's business intelligence data warehouse platform uh, as kind of our area of focus. Um, I will start by saying that GE Water already had a pretty cool data warehouse. Um, it was based on, you know, a fairly bleeding edge in-mem columnar database. The single query performance was just, you know, amazing. Um, we have some pretty mature and advanced analysts um, that expect to self-serve and are very much self-directed in what they want to get out of analytical tools like Tableau. So in providing them that flexibility, we give them the ability not just to create new Tableau visualizations, but also to really get in the back end and monkey with how they are pulling that data out of the database. And so as a result of that, the data tier needs to be able to withstand that, to have some you know, financial analyst get a little bit creative with what they're pulling out. So we've had a strong emphasis on the compute capabilities of the underlying database. 
And so, with all that said, and with how you know satisfied we, we basically were with our previous solution, um, it was also a bear to manage. So it got a lot of its performance by being highly optimized for hardware. So that meant that we were locked into three or four year leases on you know very high end hardware that were in GE data centers that we had to manage, which is not really what I want my team to spend their time doing. And it was also a single node database. So the scale was achieved by cramming as many CPUs into a chassis as you can, uh, which only lets you scale for so long. And that kind of leads to the third issue, which was, as we mentioned, with, with predicts and pulling in all these new types of integrations um, of, of systems that we wanted to bring data together, uh, we were pushing up against the performance limits of this thing. And as we did that, we started to uncover stability problems that, as in many systems, you get as you're continually bumping up against the, the maximum that this thing can do. So. That left us in a situation where we were uh, looking around for some alternatives. Uh, we had a strong cloud bias. Uh, and so we had kind of this technical journey. And we had this database that was on-prem. It had bare metal requirements. And we kind of wanted to get out of the managing infrastructure business. So we had kind of a bias to look at the cloud. Uh, and we started looking around at other options. One of them was Redshift, which we immediately did some testing on. And our immediate testing on Redshift ticked a couple of important boxes for us. One of those was on performance, uh, one of them was scale, uh, and one of them was on the easy management because it is you know, an Amazon managed service. So we started along this strategy um, of, of trying to take the rest of our BI platform, which fundamentally we still really liked, and move it to the cloud and just kind of do some surgery and swap out our legacy database for Redshift like you were taking an engine out of a car. And, uh, and that didn't work out so well. So um, we, we labored at that for a while, trying to sort of bridge this gap between a new distributed cloud database and the legacy tools that we were using. Um, and so in the end, we, we talked with uh, our Amazon SA and we had sort of some back and forth on, on how this worked. And uh, he came up with a recommendation and said, we have this partner uh, called Matillion, and uh, they have a product specifically designed for Redshift. It, it does what you want. It should solve a lot of these problems, and, uh, and, and you should take a look at it. So that's how we, uh, we got started looking at Matillion. So I'll take a quick walk through very high-level architecture for this. Um, we have in the bottom of this diagram here kind of a stand-in for the, the data systems, but it shows our SAP ERP. Um, we have other data sources, manufacturing systems, remote monitoring systems like Predix, uh, maintenance systems, that kind of thing. Um, but SAP is, is obviously a huge one. And we retained our existing replication tool. We used HVR. We have used HVR for years uh, for change data capture replication. And so we tried to hold on to that piece of it. Um, the only change we ended up making with HVR uh, is that we had to work with the vendor to change how they kind of dealt with a cloud-based distributed database. When we used HVR before, they were doing very traditional upserts to the database via ODBC drivers. Um, what they have done now is change to a mode where uh, HVR uploads S3 and then orchestrates Redshift going and getting the data out of, out of S3 for, for much more performance. Um, the Redshift piece you'll see if you squint at the diagram here is running on... Um, DC1 nodes, so Redshift comes in a couple of flavors, dense compute and dense storage. We have been back and forth across both a few times. Um, so we are on the, uh, the 32 nodes, which is the, the largest size cluster you can build with dense compute, uh, and that's been kind of the sweet spot for us in terms of performance. Um, 
And then I'll skip ahead. Over on the right-hand side uh, was exactly the same Tableau server that we had before. So my users like Tableau. Um, we had this whole stable of reports that we really had no interest or time to rewrite. Uh, so we kind of kept that piece. Our, our BI strategy has been for years to um, kind of stage the data first with replication. So we use HVR to pull data out of SAP and, and these other databases and replicate it now into Redshift uh, in exactly the same format that it is in the database. So what you see in SAP tables is what you see in the staging tables in Redshift. And so that has a few benefits. One is it dramatically simplifies that part of the operation. Uh, two is it makes it really easy to figure out if you have a problem. Um, you're just looking at a direct comparison between the two things. But then we have that, that data in the staging tables, and the fundamental action of a data warehouse is to transform that into something that you can use for reporting and analytics downstream. So we're taking uh, you know, the very detailed kind of raw records and, and making that compute intensive transformation. And that's where Redshift has come in for Redshift. That's where Matillion has come in for us, and, and you can see that there. So Matillion did a couple things for us right out of the box. The first was there was very little barrier to entry in getting started. So we got Matillion out of the marketplace, uh, which is, you know, an, an hour-by-hour hour basis, and uh, that allowed my team to get started immediately working with it. The second was that I had a very new team working on this, and even if they weren't new, they were definitely seeing Redshift and Matillion for the first time. And uh, this is probably the kind of thing that's best seen in the demo that, that Adam's going to give, but um, the, the Matillion UI is definitely an advantage to getting people up to speed. It makes things very transparent, um, and, and it got the team definitely to productivity very quickly. But the third one is probably the most important, is that compared to when I was trying to splice my legacy ETL tool into the cloud, uh, we got back to impressive performance. So we started to see what Redshift could do. And, you know, I have this 32-node cluster with, you know, a ton of CPUs. Um, now we were seeing uh, the performance of, you know, doing the transforms with that kind of hardware and not having the ETL process be a bottleneck. A quick word on ETL um, and, and the Matillion approach. So uh, ETL stands for extract, load, and transform. And traditionally, as in the top diagram, this is done by taking the data out of the database that it originates from and then doing some kind of transformation on it, changing it around. And that means that the ETL system has to be scaled in terms of infrastructure to handle uh, whatever transformations need to be done. So you have to have that investment in the ETL tier itself. And then you just take the data and you either put it back in the same database or you pick a different database and you put it there. And so that is not necessarily the most optimal approach, but, you know, totally acceptable when you're talking about a traditional single-node database um, that we have certainly been dealing with for years. But when you get into the realm of a highly distributed cloud-based database, um, the distributed nature of the database starts to cause all kinds of problems with the overhead of pulling the data out and having to put it all back in, especially when you're doing it one record at a time as you update a bunch of ETL stuff. So the Matillion process, or the Matillion strategy here is just to kind of get out of the way. So Redshift, uh, being this distributed analytical database, has a ton of compute capability. And so the strategy here is we just do the transforms in the database. The data doesn't have to move. You don't have that latency of pulling it out across the network. We just let Redshift move it from one place to another within Redshift. And then Matillion just takes the role of orchestrator and, you know, pushes down the appropriate code to Redshift and, and makes sure that happens at the right time. And just... Worth noting on that last slide, you can do that yourself. Um, ELT isn't something that Matillion invented. 
Um, if you're in the Redshift space, they do it very well. They have a nice sort of seamless solution for it. But um, you know, we toyed around with, can we kind of hack our existing system to, to push the code down to the database? And you can do that. You just end up with some rather transparent blocks of SQL code. Uh, and you know, the productivity of doing that is not nearly what you get without a, you know, a tool that is, is designed for that from the outset. So I've been talking about transforms as kind of the core workload for what we're trying to achieve here. Um, maybe a show of hands, how many people in the audience are BI professionals or ETL authors in a former life? Okay. Oh, good. It's my kind of audience. So you can completely zone out for about 30 seconds and we'll pick you up on the other end for the demo. Um, the transform you know, is, is all about uh, you know, taking the raw data and getting it ready for analytics and reporting. And that sounds, at the outset, like a very simple cleaning exercise. Uh, but it's a bit more than that. Um, it's about changing how the data is stored. So you're really taking it out of the format that it's in now. You are mangling the data structure, and you're putting it back another way. To make it more concrete, our SAP system has thousands of very, very narrow tables. Everything is its own table. Um, and it is very highly normalized. And so to make sense out of that, if you have people that are in there looking at these data sources, shopping for facts and descriptions that they want to use in reports, um, you know, not only from a performance perspective, but you have to make it a little more transparent for what you're building on top. So that is the fundamental work of the transform. Um, if you look at kind of squint, these are big screens, but it's a small diagram. Um, you can kind of get a sense for the complexity here, right? It's not kind of a, a equals B equals C. Um, there's a lot of data sources that mingle in here. There's a lot of embellishment going on and bringing data of, in yeah. a bunch of different places, adding value to it just to try and get it into a table that an end user can point their Tableau instance to. You, you bet. So <laughs> that is where a ETL tool, and a good one, um, comes in to help you manage some of that complexity. So Matillion in this role for us has been huge in improving the transparency of our logic. Um, it is just much easier to walk through this visually uh, and see you know, how the logic is working. We use this really for our ETL documentation, where previously we tried to lay this out with you know, flowcharts that were offline and some descriptions of what we're trying to achieve. Um, we just use this. You can see now this we're zoomed in a little bit more here that you get inline documentation in the, in the UI, and, and Adam's going to show you a demo of that. But it's incredibly powerful for taking somebody through it. And, and I use this now with my team um, in, in meetings with non-technical people, like our CFO, right? Sit down and, you know, march through how you got to where you are. Because in, in my experience, anyway, the, the core question that gets posed to a BI team is, where did that data in that report come from, right? I got a Tableau report. I disagree with what's in that column. Uh, how did you get there? And so being able to take a functional person through something like this and be able to explain how you got there from where you started is... Uh, and it is a little blurry on the screen here. Um, I'm going to highlight this a little bit when I'm doing my demo to really okay. kind of show you the talk track that what he's speaking about, how Matillion in and of itself just helps easily translate what Ryan just mentioned there. Sure. So we'll wrap up this part with some numbers. Um, four terabytes of data, the size of our data warehouse, um, and that, that's just for the financial side. It doesn't sound like a lot, and in the world of you know, NoSQL big data, that's not a big number. Um, but in terms of transactions from an ERP system, that is a fair bit. That's a lot of you know, financial data. Uh, and so I hope that this is a use case that maybe resonates with some of your businesses or some of your clients, that this you know, sort of story around GE is, uh, is something that, that is applicable. 
There's some details around here about uh, micro-batching transactions into the warehouse, about uh, you know, running this thing hourly, uh, about a few of the other details. I, I think that's something that's best left seen. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Adam. He's going to give you a bit of a demo. All right, let's all give Ryan Brown an applause. He doesn't look like it out there, but he's sweating on the inside. Uh, we need to switch it over. Yep, we got, we are, we are me? All right, great. So I'm going to start off with how do we even launch Matillion ETL? So Matillion ETL itself is available as an AMI from the Amazon Marketplace. It launches into an EC2 instance inside of your own VPC uh, so Matillion, as a product, lives inside of your own cloud infrastructure. It's not a uh, SaaS provider in the normal sense that we, Matillion, control the servers and you feed your data to us and we do whatever fun stuff with it and ship it back to you. Matillion ETL is a EC2, just, um, just like any other EC2 instance in your VPC. So here we are. We'll start off at the AWS Marketplace, and if you notice, you know, we can find the Matillion AMI image pretty easily. We can just type it into our search bar here. Uh, if I type it correctly, there we go, ETL for Redshift. We can click on that. Uh, we are fortunate enough, if we just scroll down a little bit, to be featured on the AWS Marketplace Homeplace uh, Thrive Market. This is actually one of ours. Uh, customer success story, but if we keep scrolling down, you can see us, there we are, Matillion ETL for Redshift, great. I'm gonna click on that. Hopefully, barring any technical difficulties, great, we're here at the Matillion launch page. So, a few things that I want to just point out. I'm pretty much contractually obligated to point out these things before I get into the real fun stuff of actually playing with the product. But the Matillion product itself, if we look at kind of what you know, the information is provided on the marketplace here, we're getting some general uh, pricing information about the the expectation of how much you can pay for, you know, whichever version of an EC2 instance, whatever size that you choose. Um, great, that's nice. Uh, the one thing I would like to just note here is there's only three different sizes of Matillion ETL. Um, I want to focus on this just real quickly. Like, why, why can't I get a DC1, just a huge, extra large ETL? tool. ETL machines have to be big. They have to be bulky. We have to be lots of compute and lots of memory. Well, again, as Ryan mentioned earlier, Matillion doesn't do the ETL translate, the transformation activity like traditional ETL systems. We like to call Matillion not an ETL tool, but an ELT tool. Matillion as a product is solely just doing the transformation and it's sitting there just orchestrating stuff back down to Redshift and allowing Redshift to take advantage of your cluster size and in that sense, as your data needs scale, you only have to scale your Redshift cluster. You don't have to worry about coming back to Matillion and scaling Matillion when your data needs scale. So that's all I've pretty much, I think, uh, I'm looking for my boss. Is he nodding his head? Yeah, okay. We'll move on from that. Uh, lots of good information, product description, some helpful resources, how to launch the product. I think that takes you to our handy-dandy Redshift support yet yeah, Matillion. So, you know, kind of we'll bring you in here. We've got loads and loads and loads of knowledge-based articles for how to get set up with Matillion. We have some fantastic YouTube videos that I'm uh, pretty sure one of them on here is going to be, if you, how do I set up my Matillion instance? You'll find a nice and easy YouTube video that uh, our friend Ed has put together and has been out there for probably a couple of years now. Um, 
What else do we want to mention on here? I think that's about it. The So here we go. Let's launch a new uh, Metellian instance. I choose the instance or the region that I want to launch into. Uh, click the big yellow button, and Metellian starts, or uh, the marketplace is going to bring you to the familiar EC2 uh, launch page. So if you've ever launched an Amazon EC2 instance, same exact process. Uh, this is the part of the... Um, demo that we're going to pretty much put the turkey in the oven and flip over in really legitimately five minutes from the time that you launch to the time that you are able to hit your uh, or to log into your Matillion instance. It really is about a five minute process. Uh, it, it, that's really not a lie um, or a sales pitch. The uh, Let's see. So here I am in my AWS Management Console. This is my uh, Amazon environment. Oh, what am I looking for? EC2. Great. I'm here. EC2. I really hope I don't have anything that shouldn't be seen on here. Uh, I don't think I do, but there we go. Let me tell you an ETL. Great. <clears throat> Here's my instance that launched. Here's my DNS public web address. Uh, for those of you that are trying to screenshot and grab this and start messing with it right now, uh, or mess with it later, please note that this will be shut off in about half an hour. So, great. Uh, anyway, you would normally be presented with a logon screen, just username and password. Um, unfortunately, my password manager just automatically logged me in. But anyway, the standard username is EC2 user, like any other Amazon product. Password is going to follow Amazon's best practice, and the password will always be, the default password will always be your instance ID. Um, again, the, for those of you trying to go in here real quick, please don't. I really need this to be active and live for the next half hour. Thank you. Um, but anyway, just pointing out, Matillion follows Amazon's guided best practice steps and how, you know, from a SaaS-based product, how do you set up the initial root access into the product itself? Matillion as a company, we can't get into your Matillion instance. I'm sorry. We don't have any back doors. We can't get to your data. If you call us up and you say, hey, man, can you just please, just, just please go get in there and do something? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can tell you how to reset your password. That's about it. But we can't get to your data. Matillion cannot get to your data. Um, so anyway, you log in. Uh, you will be presented with create project. All right, so this is the first step that you have to do to actually configure your Matillion instance to connect to your Redshift cluster. It really is pretty quick and easy. So uh, let's say, uh, we'll just give it a little project group name. Um, why don't you like that, of course? I'm getting little red flags. Anyway, I'm not going to really worry about that. The big thing that I really want to come up and show is, oh, get out of here, Dashlane. You can, if anybody's ever used Dashlane, you love it, but sometimes it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, let's see. Why am I not going? Use mine. Great. So there's a quick step. You can either use the credentials and the security group that you defined when you launched your EC2 instance, or you can provide your own uh, managed credentials in the form of your AWS uh, key, secret key, and, and uh, super, super secret key. So as soon as I give it, hey, this is Adam Gant. I'm not sure if you noticed, but when I changed the credentials, right now, this instance, it can't, I don't have my security group set up correctly. 
Um, I can't see Redshift, but I do have my Adam Gant credential set up correctly, and we notice now I have a little drop-down. Boom, there's my Redshift node. Great, I'm connected. I give it my default schema, my username and password. It's easy. All right, so we're connected to Redshift. I create my first project, and welcome to the Matillion desktop. Um, I'm going to go ahead and full screen this. How's that look? Yeah, yeah, that's good enough. All right. The, yes, welcome to Matillion. Uh, this is a browser-based uh, tool, uh, ELT tool. What we have on our left is a nice little project explorer. Uh, we do have what we kind of call versioning. It's not real versioning, you know, GitHub full branches, but it is a version control system. Uh, that we can't have multiple versions of uh, your projects, of your orchestration jobs and whatnot. So your developers, especially if you have a team of developers like GE, what do you guys have? Five, four different teams around the world that was working on this stuff. You can actually do some actual version controlling. So great, this is your project. This is where we keep track of our orchestration jobs and our transformation jobs. So to the left, that's our... our uh, help you keep your stuff organized part. Um, we have a components section, so this is pretty much what fun stuff do we want to do with our data. Do we want to, uh, let's see, we need to catch flow, start, um, we'll get in more detail on this in a minute, but pretty much this is all the, the transform and, and all the, the, the areas of, uh, of operations that uh, Matillion can handle. And lastly, we have a quick little uh, just friendly little helpful tab to give you a look at your Redshift cluster itself. So I can drill in. I'm connected to my playground. I'm seeing what tables I have in here. Great. You know, it gives you, you can drill down and keep seeing, like, just various, you know, metadata about your Redshift cluster. Pretty handy when uh, you're doing development and creating some new components. If you need to, what was that table name or what was that column in that table? You know, we've got that pretty easily to find without having to, I don't know, have another uh, database visualizer or some other, you know, ETL product open to, to show you that stuff. Lastly, uh, let's see, we got on the bottom here the properties and components. So for a particular component, we've got various attributes and things that we can do with that. And as we click on different proper or different components, uh, we can see, you know, quick little uh, various options depending on the component itself. And lastly, right here, there's always a nice, quick, and easy um, uh, little help guide that uh, is kind of a Cliff Notes version of, uh, of the documentation that we have on our product support page. But it comes in handy if you're trying to figure out what is, what is this particular attribute asking for. You can flip over to help. That'll probably get you what you need. But if not, you can always come down to the very, very bottom. I'm not sure if you're going to see on the screen. Oh, you can. Full component documentation, that should take you over to our, uh, there we go, great, to our uh, Knowledge Base Center again. Uh, let's see, where'd we go, where'd we go? Great, and that's all I'm going to really talk about that, because I want to be mindful of our time, and I really want to, I can, I really want to show some fun stuff here. Um, yes, right, so let's see, on this... Uh, bottom right-hand pane here, we've got a little bit of some administrative information. So as we start 
building a job out, you're going to start seeing some real-time results of what is Redshift doing under the hood. We can kind of surface that information back up to you so that you can see, uh, you know, did, did this job run? Did, did, you know, did this, do I have a problem? Did this fail? Like, you'll start seeing a little bit more of, uh, of fun information kind of showing up. Actually, I'm just kind of curious. Does this run? Um, so great, yeah, I just ran, it's doing some stuff now. It's uh, creating some tables, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's doing stuff, right? Like from a developer standpoint, I just quickly fired off a, 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 a job, an orca a transformation job, and this is giving me real-time information about what, uh, what Redshift is doing under the hood. Again, Matillion as a product, we're not doing the transformation. Redshift, my Redshift cluster, Redshift knows your data the best. Like Amazon did a pretty good job building a great data warehouse. It knows your data pretty well. So all of this is doing is really just surfacing up information about how fast these things are running and how many record counts. Yeah, there's some there's some rows there. You know, anyway, you kind of get the idea. Uh, again, just really wanting to highlight, Matillion is not doing the hard work here. Red, my Redshift cluster is turning away uh, behind the scenes here. And I think that is about all that I wanted to talk about as far as the general overview. Oh, I guess lastly, sorry, this is the canvas area. This is where we drag and drop new jobs or, or, uh, or various components onto our uh, particular job. Um, and let's, just, let's go ahead and just start wiring up a new job. So I'm going to create a new transformation job. We'll call this... Uh, reinvent x form and click OK switch over to the new job now and great so this is pretty much what Ryan's developers you know as a brand new or as, as a as an ETL developer this is this is really kind of a real-world example of what your life would look like um, so for very simplistic purposes and again just kind of being mindful of time here uh, we're going to create just a really easy uh, read some data in from a table, add some filters onto it, and you know, dump it back into another table that my Tableau user can can uh, can point their uh, you know their Tableau instance at. So quickly, this is where I guess I can start spending a little bit more time on the components themselves. So check Fitbit. Yeah, um, heart rate's not high enough, so I want to start speeding it up again. Uh, if you guys lose track or you're having trouble uh, or want to find out more, uh, feel free to come see us at our booth, but I'm going to speed it up a little bit here. Uh, so we want to read some data from a table, and I am going to drag that component onto the canvas there. And so now we're going to start, start, uh, start adding some information here. So read some flights. Click OK. I'm looking right now, I can see, yeah, parameters contain errors. Again, just want to highlight, hey, there's some problems with this thing. We're not ready to roll yet. And from a developer standpoint, Matillion is calling out in red, hey, pay attention to this little attribute here. So I need to read some table. I'm trying to read data from a table. I need to get, figure out a table name. So I think this is going to be, yeah, raw flights. There we go. Great. And one more, we need to figure out what columns we're going to bring in. Um, you know, so this is flight data. Let's just grab, I don't know, these 
we're going to bring in those columns. Great, we want to read those tables. And oh, I forgot to mention, if you may have noticed the borders on this component itself, it was red. So it was red indicating, hey, we're not ready to go yet. We still have some problems, and, and, and we, we were not in an okay status. But as soon as I added the required tidbits to, of attributes for that component, the table name and you know, what columns we want to read in, the, yeah, great, so here we go. Matillion itself was revalidating the stuff that I was telling it to do. It was automatically revalidating that against my Redshift cluster in real time. And again, this really helps from a development standpoint. If I'm an ETL developer, I know right now, all right, the border of that thing is green. I feel like I'm pretty comfortable to, to think that I can, can uh, read some data in now. So let me come to my sample tab over here. And let's just take a look at what we have. So click retrieve, great, uh, row columns, sure. I have 7.1 million rows in this table. I, I just want to see the top 50 of uh, just, just, I just want to see what data I'm looking at. So great, give me top 50. Uh, we've got uh, years 2006, month, day of week. Um, what else we got in here? Uh, departure times, airport codes, uh, tail numbers. Oh, that's interesting. Well, tail numbers, so we can try and uh, figure out some planes. Uh, departure times, whether there's delays. Anyway, you get the idea. So let's, um, let's add, let's say we only want to look at data. I uh, really wish I knew all of the data that's in here, but sorry, this is a shared environment. Um, I don't control that. So let's just add a filter real quick. And let's just call this filter, uh, oh, sorry. Let's give it a nice handy name. So here we go. I'm going to start speaking to what Ryan was mentioning when using Matillion as a form of communication to the executive people that really don't, you know, instead of presenting an 18-page Word document of what is this job doing, I want to read some flights. Uh, I want to filter for flights uh, post 2006. I don't know if this is going to work, but we'll see. Um, so here we go. Read some flights. Flights post 2006. Let's see. Click that. Great. Uh, filter conditions. We have to tell it what we are actually filtering on. So the year is uh, greater than, let's do greater than. I'm pretty sure I've got 2007, 2008 data in here. Great, all right, great. Um, let's just sample real quick. So again, I'm gonna come back from my read some flights. How many rows do we have? 7.141, all right, great. Now at my, after applying that filter, right, let's do, hopefully we have some, we have zero, great. I don't have uh, any flight data post 2006. Well, if we have any flight under 2006. Uh, I remember what's going on here. Uh, this is a raw staging, and that only contains my latest. So let's just change from raw flights to, say, a fact table. Fact flights, sure. All right, let's read from that. All right, again, Matillion just revalidated. Yep, okay, that table seems right. Those columns exist in there. 
And let's see if we have flight data post 2006 coming from our fact table here. Hit a little retrieve. Still getting nothing. This is fantastic. Way to break down on a demo in front of a large audience of people. Uh, let's take the. Tell you what, I'm going to change this back. I'm going to go a little off script here. Let's change that back to raw flights. And sample that. Zero. All right. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit. I was really hoping to save this more towards the end. But uh, let's just flip over here. Let me get some 2007 flight data in. Let's see how fast that can go. All right. So I've got some handy-dandy flip over PowerShell. Great. I'm going to take a look at my S3 bucket. Uh, fantastic. There's 2007 CSV, some zipped up flight data files sitting in S3. Again, Matillion is a EC2. It's, it lives inside of your, your, uh, uh, your Amazon, your VPC. So it connects really well with other Amazon products such as SQS and S3 and, uh, and, and, and other components. So we'll go through a little bit of a deeper dive into those supported data sources. But for right now, let's just see if I can get some 2007 data in here. Click enter. Let's see. Great. We're uploading. We're transferring a file to a bucket. And where are we? This is mine. Great. Um, awesome. Here we go. We got something running. What just happened right there? I just copied a file from one bucket to another in S3, and all of a sudden, I've got a job running? Like, what just happened? I'll tell you what happened. And again, this was supposed to be my mic drop moment, so I'm really upset that I didn't get to close the demo with this particular exercise. But what is going on is I have S3. I've got a bucket sitting out here in S3 called Matillion Demo. Thankfully, it is still there. I have a folder called Flights Latest. I just copied a file into this Flights Latest bucket. That's, 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 all, that's all I did with this script. Cop, you know, copy a file from one S3 location to another. Now, what happened behind the scenes is S3 triggered a Lambda function. Let's come over here real quick. We're getting into the how nicely integrated Matillion is with other AWS products, right? So I've got a little Lambda function sitting out here called uh, new flight file, I think. Yeah, there it is. Great. So this function gets triggered when a new object is added into my flight's latest. Okay, that's cool. If those developers or those AWS folk, people that are out there, that's nothing really that special for, um, you know, that's just what AWS does. It's nice, tightly integration. But what is this code actually doing? Well, once this Lambda code gets triggered by an S3 uh, new file event, it's sending a quick message to an SQS queue. So for those of you who don't know, SQS is uh, Amazon's queue messaging uh, product. 
Uh, you put messages on the queue and, and other applications are downstream. Uh, uh, you know, applications can read from that queue. I'm getting to it hopefully here in just a second, but uh, Matillion can listen to your S3 queues and read messages that are coming off queues as well. So um, again, we have a queue sitting here. Great. And if I come back over to uh, my instance, okay, I can see that nice little check mark, but it's telling me it's in the queue. All right. Anyway, hopefully I got 2007 data sitting in that raw flights table now. Retrieve. Nope. We're still having all this fun stuff with technical issues, aren't we? Great. Uh, so let's revalidate. So again, from a developer experience, I'm having problems, right? Like I'm having that blue screen moment on stage in front of a large audience, right? Uh, but this gives me a great opportunity to just continue to highlight some of the power of this product. Matillion is telling me, hey, you ran into an issue. There's a problem with this view. This view no longer exists. I don't know why it doesn't exist. Again, somebody out there, if you're in my Redshift cluster, please stop killing my views. <laughs> um, but let me just go ahead and revalidate the job. Great. That gave me a little checkbox. I should be able to uh, now come back and see. Let's retrieve. Flights post 2006, and there we go. All right, so we now have our filter condition working. <laughs> and we can continue on with the uh, demonstration of building out and, and embellishing some basic flight data uh, as, 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 uh, as our end users have requested. All right, so here we are, we're now reading some data in from a table. We're now only grabbing the flights after 2006. Uh, maybe we want to, uh, you know, we, we, let's, let's, uh, let's take a look at, at some uh, nice embellishment stuff. So uh, if we look over here in our components, um, let's add a, let's, no, I don't want to do that one. It's going to take too long. Uh, let's just, uh, let's add another filter to say, um, only those flights that took off. So flights data, but we really only want to see the flights that actually left the airport. Um, so here we are. We have a new uh, filter that we're going to come in and need to give it a name uh, because I am a, a little OCD on my, as a developer, I like to have tidy names so that my uh, executives know what I'm doing. So here we are, uh, flights that actually took off. Okay, great. So as you can see, you can sort of see, yeah. Just looking at the canvas, even if you're not a developer or a technical person, I'm pretty sure anybody reading English can kind of start to figure out what this thing is doing. We're reading some flights. We're only, gonna, we're only interested in flights that took off post-2006. Now we're actually interested in the flights that took off, right? So, great, let's look at what we need to do to turn you know, this component from red to green. Well, Matillion is telling me the filter condition right here. I need to have an actual filter, so let's take a look. Let's add a filter. Um, let's see, we have, uh, what, 
fields we have in here and distance. Uh, actual elapsed time, maybe that's going to give me, you know, actual elapsed time is greater than, uh, greater than, uh, let's just say, greater than uh, one. I'm, I'm hoping that means that a flight, that that's how this data is represented. I'm not that familiar with the data itself, but uh, let's just take a look. Let's, so again, I can come back. Let's do a quick little check. Uh, all right, great. We've got 7.2 million rows. And um, do a quick retrieval. And we are now seeing flights that actually took off. So again, the, the story that I'm trying to tell here is pretty quick and easy to start building your jobs. And, and from a develop, the developer experience, um, I, I can tell you firsthand, 10 years of being a developer, an ETL developer, um, while I am thrilled and, and, and overly excited to, to share the, the story that is Matillion, a little part of me dies inside thinking back to all the nights and weekends that I lost and couldn't go out with my buddies and have a beer because I was stuck behind a console writing SQL scripts and, and, and running that SQL code, waiting for it to actually execute, getting to the data that came out of the other side of it and trying to figure out why is this not coming out like I want it to. I'm expecting it to look like this, but it's coming out like that, so I have to backtrack. You know, ha having this real-time sampling and the ability to see my data as I'm building my job and at the speed at what it's doing it, it's pretty phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, all right, great. So we've got some flights. We are only looking at data uh, greater than 2007 and flights that actually took off. Um, what do we have in here? Just here, just see tail numbers. All right, tail numbers. Um, that's interesting. Maybe um, I wonder if I have my any plane information in here. Is there planes? Do we have any planes? Raw, raw planes? Something like that. You got to uh, keep me on track in terms of time for the yeah, Q&A. Yeah, why don't we do the uh, lessons learned? Do lessons learned? Absolutely. All right. So I'm sorry I really didn't get a chance to go and show a, a nice, big, complicated job. But um, uh, in the interest of saving time, letting Ryan have enough time to uh, finish uh, lessons learned from the GE, as well as provide some uh, open Q&A, we'll go ahead and call this the end of the demo. <laughs> um, again, uh, We'll be here all week. My name is Adam Gant. Uh, I'll be at Booth. Um, what booth am I? What booth am I? Can you read it? Uh, 2338. 2338. All right. These big green shirts. You can't miss us. We're a bunch of little green minions running around. So booth 2338. Uh, feel free. Come, come bug me. You're not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna be here all week. Like. Uh, Come tell me what your struggle is, come, what, what your problems are, or if you just want to say hi, I don't care, just come, come bug me. Um, we'll be here all week. I, I, I can go on for hours uh, of uh, different use cases. I, like I said, I was hoping to use the real-time data processing one as, as sort of the mic drop moment, but uh, yeah, this is uh, what happens with live demos. So that being said, right? You're up. I'm up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thought you were doing this part. 
lessons learned and tips. I'm pretty much just going to read from the screen here now. Um, jobs that require very large, complex joins across billions of rows. All right. Um, Redshift knows your data. Redshift is fast, right? That's pretty much the point that we're trying to get across there. Um, I've said this a handful of times. I don't know why I have to say it again, but apparently it's on the slide. So if you're reading it, Matillion, each component, what it's doing, it's, it's orchestrating data and orchestrating commands back down to Redshift or back to S3 or SAP or, or whatever our other components, our data sources uh, that we support. And again, I, I was really hoping to spend a bit more time uh, but I will showcase, if we look at an orchestration job and we look at, uh, let's see, I want to, nah. Anyway, we support Salesforce, SAP, a APIs, I can tell you all that later um, if you come see me at the booth. And let's learn what we got here. Probably should have read these slides before I got up here, shouldn't I? <laughs> Again. Matillion ETL, it launches as an AMI from the AWS Marketplace. It's a live EC2 instance inside of your VPC. Uh, gets rid of the security and latency performance issues of other uh, ETL, or I, I should say good SaaS ETL products that have to ship data out of your VPC, go to their, um, their environment, do the processing, and they get just to get shipped back to your VPC and get pushed back down. Um, that's you. Okay. Yeah. So we, we'll just briefly wrap this up with a couple of numbers. Um, this project has always been pretty easy to explain to my boss. We recall coming in, we went into this looking for stability and scalability, but it's also a pretty good story that we got 45% of our operating cost out, moving from that on-prem big metal database that we had to manage ourselves to something we can consume uh, as we need it out of the cloud. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the marketplace, getting the team started immediately. That contributed to that six months from the initial discussion with the Amazon SA about, okay, we're going to try Redshift, we're going to try Matillion, um, to getting something in production. Um, and also, I, I always am, am kind of beating on my team to find ways to try stuff quickly, to find ways to fail fast. And, you know, running our POC pilot for less than 100 bucks on, a, you know, just a, a new Amazon VPC, spinning up some Redshift, spinning up some Matillion, um, you know, you, can, you can't beat that for 100 bucks. Finally, um, you know, ultimately we got what we came for out of this exercise. We maintained the performance that we had. So, you know, those queries that the financial analysts are cooking off uh, out of their fever dreams are, are continuing to run in a reasonable amount of time. Um, but we got more stability. And we got the ability to scale this thing for, you know, the continued growth that goes on, you know, as part of our industrial internet journey, as part of GE just, you know, merging other companies and reorganizing. Um, we have a roadmap for that now. Uh, we got some nice OPEX savings out of it. Uh, our operating expense, as I said, went down 45%. And, and I didn't need to ask for any capital up front for this, right? We just expensed this whole thing. Um, and so finally, you know, we talked about, and Adam showed some examples of what fast development looks like on this thing. Um, you know, and, and that just goes beyond the usability of the UI. It's also about building something and then being able to show that to a non-technical person, some of our functional partners, get their fast feedback on what you're doing, um, and then getting back into it. And then finally, the, uh, the seamless scaling that uh, Redshift offers is, you know, a, a huge boon in this kind of thing. So 
Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time. Um, we have uh, a few minutes left for questions. I think they have microphones set up here and here if anyone uh, cares to ask one. But um, as Adam said, he will be at the booth, at the Matillion booth all week. All week. Um, but yeah, it says uh, the, the happy clock ticking at us here. It says we have seven and a half minutes left. So if anybody has a question they'd like to ask, we're uh, all ears. We'd love to have it.